0: Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units, stand by for On Patrol with the PPD, airing now on WTDR 89.7 FM.
1: Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. Today is Friday, September 17th, 2021. My name is Mike Wynn I'm one of the co-hosts and co-producers of this purportedly weekly radio program. I'm joined in studio this morning by lieutenant gary traversa cops bureau commander and sound engineer extraordinaire good morning lieutenant
0: good morning chief good morning how everybody. are you this
1: fine day doing great Thank we you. have a special guest joining us this morning it is my distinct privilege and honor to uh, welcome my colleague and my mentor and friend High sheriff thomas bowler to the studio this morning
2: good morning guys what's up sheriff uh, everything's good how you been i'm doing all right things are good <laughs>
1: So uh, we're going to get a check of the weather. Taka got a couple newsworthy items, and then we'll get to the uh, programming where we find out what's going on with the Berkshire County Sheriff's Office.
3: Berkshire weather.
0: WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area. Today, mostly cloudy this morning, then becoming partly sunny. Highs in the mid-70s. East wind around 5 miles per hour. Tonight, Mostly cloudy. Lows around 60. East wind around five miles per hour. Saturday, partly sunny. Highs around 80. Northwest wind around five miles per hour. Weather forecasts for WTBRFMR are provided by the National Weather Service.
1: I think fall is here. They're not positive, but I think it's here. Yes. We're not gonna talk about my um, aversion to fall seasonings again.
0: You like pumpkin coffee, Sheriff? (laughs) No, I don't. I don't drink coffee. (laughs) You don't
1: either, (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's talk about a couple news items. I want to start off with one. You know, start off on a high note. Um, If you aren't aware, you know, you're under a rock or something, you haven't been paying attention. Um, We had another reported structure fire on White Terrace Mm -hmm. yesterday afternoon. A little bit of difference between this one and the last one the first significant difference is it was reported very very quickly uh, when i say quickly within a matter of minutes um, by staff that was actually there to work on one of the uh, buildings and as a result of that Pittsfield fire department was able to knock it down very very quickly um you know there's there are no non-serious structure fires they're all serious but this one was was handled very expeditiously But from a police department point of view, the other big news is that an arrest was made in connection with this one, and you know the obviously that case is still under investigation and ongoing, and we're looking at it in connection with the previous one. We can't really definitively say anything about that right now, but um, you know if you saw the article from the Eagle, the defendant under arrest for this one has has been arrested and charged with arsons in the past, so that's kind of a good indication. Uh, Great heads up teamwork. I can't get into too many details about the investigation at this point what i can tell you is that if you're engaged in criminal activity and you're out and about probably the worst thing you can hope to happen to you is to have yourself personally observed in close proximity to the crime scene by two detectives on their way to a follow-up if they can put you right there within a matter of minutes that works really well for us so um Mm -hmm. good heads up Detective work by detectives Matos and Losaw. Good police work, absolutely. Um, I'm going to have to take a detour on my way back to uh, to the station today. Uh, the uh, looks like the Tyler Woodlawn intersection is under construction. That's going to be a uh, that's going to be a significant change for the residents of our city. That actually was a big topic of conversation on Wednesday night. Um, the mayor's citizens' academy. Was our guest at the station, and uh, they had a lot of questions for Sergeant Madalena about roundabouts. So we'll go with that one. In less happy news, I just want to mention—I um, don't know—the I don't article up in front of me. Um, we this week, um, Berkshire County—I'm not even say law enforcement. Berkshire County government lost a um, an unbelievable member and partner. Uh, his honor uh, Judge Paul Paracci passed um, Judge Paracci was the first appointed justice of the Berkshire Juvenile Court when they separated the juvenile court mm-hmm. from the district court uh, um, little personal connection he was also my principal for the one year that I was a student at Lenox Memorial yeah. uh, Lenox Memorial Junior or Middle and High School before he uh, finished his law degree and started practicing law and. Uh, then you know, he was the presiding justice over the juvenile court in my first couple of years when I was a police officer. So any juvenile cases that I was involved in were heard in front of his honor. Um, staff from the judge's lobby, Julie Salatino, who was both a friend and a colleague, she emailed me a picture of the judge and I. It had to have been from an adoption day because he was beaming from ear to ear and I was in the lobby of the juvenile court. Um, so <laughs> thank you for that, Julie and finally just a a feel-good story this has actually been run twice in the in the Berkshire Eagle if you don't subscribe to the Eagle go online and just check it out um it's just a a a nice feel-good story to finish the week so in Monterey um two employees of the Monterey transfer station who worked together in different areas of the transfer station for six years um they met at work and fell in love and they were married in a very unique ceremony at the transfer station um let just go check the story out it's pretty cool <laughs> um you know, who doesn't love love
0: congratulations yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right so um sheriff welcome yes i i just i want to let you know before we get to all things related to the sheriff's department that we have some more big news from the police department and uh either officer derby and i will have to come pay you and your crew a visit in, in the near future, and introduce you to our newest department member, who we we hopefully I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I'm waiting for a text message from Officer Derby to find out if we can pull this uh, pull this together today. Is so a
2: four-legged friend? Yeah.
1: yeah. If, not, <laughs> if not today, early next week. But uh, Officer Winston, yep. uh, the the donation of our police comfort dog was approved by the city council, accepted by the city council on Tuesday night. So Perfect. Officer Winston will be joining. The police department as uh, as our comfort dog, mm-hmm. and uh, Officer Derby will be handling Winston and uh, starting their training program. Oh and, good! Uh, we'll be getting uh, we'll be getting Officer Winston out in the community as soon as they're trained to the point where mm-hmm. they're they're ready for observation time. Fitting name. Um, and at the suggestion of um, my classmate Sergeant Mark Strout, Officer Winston has been named in memory of our departed comrade Lieutenant Michael Winston. Yep. Um, it's just you know it's a it's an awesome tribute to to Mike, um, and you know I just I'm very excited about this project. It's a perfect fit. Yeah. All right, so Sheriff, let's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, let's, let's start just for a community update because you were telling me on the way and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this. Yeah. You have an outbreak uh, among the population in the facility, both mm-hmm. staff and inmates, but I, I liked your analogy. It's kind of like a, a, a wildfire. If the wind doesn't pick up, it's okay, Yeah, right? this,
2: yeah it's like a little grass fire we're, we're tending to right now, and um, we're hoping that the wind doesn't pick up and, and, and it takes off. But, you know, I think on the onset, as as you know, for 18 months, almost 20 months, we kept this at bay out of our facility. Um, I think during that time, when this the outbreak started uh, way back in February of last year, we had uh, one one case throughout the entire 18-20 months, and. Um, that was an individual who came from another facility and he was already quarantined for 14 days and he was all set to go to a different program another facility and we tested him and he showed asymptomatic he showed, he tested positive but he was asymptomatic that was the only case until just recently which I think is kind of a reflection of what's going on in the community where we had this uptick and uh, I think today we've had about 18 uh, in- inmates and uh, and six staff recently, so um, none of which have had be um, have been seriously ill. A lot of the symptoms are, are mild um, or asymptomatic, and um, the majority of the inmate population that uh, tested positive were vaccinated. So, um, and it was about half and half with our staff, about half vaccinated and half weren't. So we have 85% staff vaccinated and uh, about 60 to 63% of the inmate population vaccinated. So, um, you know, we're attending to it. We have, I have a great medical staff um, and uh, they're on top of it. And uh, we, we're doing testing about every three days in, one, in that one particular housing unit. So. All right. Awesome.
1: Thank you for the yep, update. Yep. Um, so from there, let's transition. We'll, we'll start with the, the not feel good stories and then we'll we'll pivot and, and start looking at some of the the awesome stuff that you've got going on. Yeah. So last week we talked about it briefly uh, during the show. You know, last week was the anniversary of the 20th anniversary of the attacks of September 11th, and um, we talked briefly about how you know law enforcement changed. I spoke with I I know you. A significant time talking with both the Berkshire Eagle and some of our local television news, Yep. because uh, you were a, you were a ground zero first responder. Correct. Spent so some time down there. Yeah. And I I racked my brain in my interview and I couldn't remember because you flip flopped a little bit. Which uniform were you wearing when you
2: went? <laughs> <laughs> I was with the sheriff's department. All
1: right. It was in the window.
2: It was in but between. We, but we met. Um, actually, um, we met the. Uh, the uh, our fellow colleagues, the, your guys, the Pittsfield PD, um, down there at the Meadowlands. At right? the Meadowlands. Yeah. Well, no, actually, they were already they were already into Liberty Park. Okay. So, but we utilized that because when we arrived, um, that uh, that a uh, little after noon time uh, to the Meadowlands. We knew that your guys in the command center were already at Liberty Park. Got it. So we said that we were part of your team, <laughs> <laughs> and you are. <laughs> and we needed, <laughs> and, and that wasn't a stretch. You and, are. And we needed to, uh, and we needed to get to uh, to where your guys were. So uh, they escorted us um, down to Liberty Park. The New Jersey State Police escorted us to New Jersey uh, to uh, the Liberty Park, and uh, uh, we hooked up with your guys, and um, and then it went from there. So when you say it went from
1: there. Because I don't think a lot, it's been well, the story's been well, well told, but it was told 20 years ago. Yep. I don't think a lot of our local people understand. So PPD sent a team down, P, the Sheriff's Department sent a team down, PFD was activated through the Urban Search and Rescue Correct. teams. And they were down there on the task force. Yep. But when you got down there with your vehicles and, and mm-hmm. our you know, the previous command center in Liberty yep.
2: Park, what did you do? Well, at first, we, uh, we couldn't do anything because being on the New Jersey side, the state of New York had not asked or requested assistance from New Jersey uh, yet. So we were kind of just in limbo for a little bit. And then uh, the Marine unit for uh, New Jersey State Police had stopped over at Liberty Park. <clears throat> so we hooked up with them, and they took us out on the water, but they couldn't bring us to Ground Zero. They were under strict orders not to uh, to uh, go near Ground Zero. So we... we went over by Ground Zero uh, on the water side. And um, I mean, you could just see uh, from the water, a, you couldn't see a whole lot because of all the smoke and the dust that was still uh, in the air. Um, but uh, we were able to get dropped off and hook up with the Nassau P- PD, Nassau County PD, which was just uh, down from uh, Ground Zero. And talking with them, they uh, were able to drop us off. Uh, they gave us a ride back over to Liberty Park. We got some of our equipment, and uh, they brought us over to Ground Zero. Um, once we got to Ground Zero, we were brought around to the front of the John Hancock Building, and, uh, or the American Express Building, and um, we hooked up with a captain of, of the NYPD that was in a command center. And uh, we explained who we were and that we were there to help and assist in any way we could. And uh, he had a plainclothes detective take us down through... Uh, and around and up into ground zero and that's when uh, our eyes were open wide open uh it was like walking into a war zone as a matter of fact I, it was a war it zone. it was and i, I walked yeah. i looked at dave sinopoli and just said you know this is a war zone and it was um now this is wednesday afternoon mid-afternoon early evening yeah about about 3 or o'clock and uh maybe a little bit later and uh you know there was it, there was just uh, there were still flames yeah. there was debris flying um, you know papers and things flying through the air a lot of dust smoke we were walking in concrete dust about 8 to 10 inches of concrete dust um, and it was that uh, you just couldn't believe the devastation yeah so let's uh
1: I, I want to parse out a couple little little details not just well particularly related to this response but also the, the first, like, it, there was no plan for this, right? Everything was being improvised. So the first thing you said, you know, you your crew followed a little bit behind ours. You got down, you already knew that we had the command van. Yep. That, I wasn't, like, I, I told the story. I wasn't involved in this. I had, I had gotten off work that morning. I had attempted to get on the team that was going to deploy. I had been told I wasn't going to be allowed to do that. And so I went to bed because I had to go back to work. Yep. Um, so when I got up you know, the following day and I found out about this plan to deploy, our command van left the city of Pittsfield loaded to the gills with donated equipment. Yep. Um, you know, Our officers were able to make a couple of stops and very, very generous businesses were just throwing supplies at our, uh, our crew to take down there, both for the use of our team yep. and, and just to provide to other first responders. When I say it was filled to the gills, we were opening cabinets years later And dust masks were falling stuff. Yeah, yeah, it it was just, it was shoved everywhere. Um, So, you know, generous, generous community. I say that all the time. But in in real time, like, those businesses were just reaching out saying, what can we do? Where do we get the stuff to you? Um, And you talked about the importance of the Marine units bringing people from the New Jersey side to the New York side. I had forgotten. I was listening to a podcast last week, and I was reminded the – United States Coast Guard, shout out to the Coasties. Again, no plan for this. They improvised. They went over the International Hailing Channel, Channel 16, and they requested assistance from every vessel on the water at at that time. And commercial tugboats and Mm -hmm. towboats and civilian vessels responded. The personnel sea lift that the Coast Guard coordinated between Manhattan and New Jersey to get people who couldn't get out of the city because the the bridges were closed. <clears throat> was was the largest sea lift in the history, including the evacuation of Dunkirk. Yep. And Dunkirk lasted almost a week. The 9-11 sea lift was like seven hours. Yeah. More people moved by boat across that body of water than at any other time. And that's it just it that story doesn't get told. So shout out to the Coasties and to all of those people who answered that hail and, uh, and, and sailed into harm's way
2: to help. You know, when you look at it, Chief, um, like you said, there was no plan. There was no organization at that time. This was less than 24 hours. Uh, but it's amazing to watch um, people in, um, in this country uh, come together in such a chaotic uh, time and uh, pull things together and uh, achieve certain just what you talked about um it was the same thing with us i mean we had we had no plan going down there um your guys didn't have any plan going down there and uh, we're we're going on a wing and a prayer and um you know when we when we got into ground zero the one thing i noticed is, is of course there's a big huge mound of debris that's still on fire and what amazed me was you just had like lines of people single file going from the top of the pile down to the bottom with five ga- five, pi- five, five gallon, gallon buckets and and that's how they started removing debris it was
1: it was just incredible and they had to cuz yeah. one it was an active crisis location it's yes. still on fire there's still stuff shifting and it was an active crime scene yeah. they they couldn't just move heavy equipment in there and start to remediate this there was A rescue there was hope for a rescue effort. Yes. There was going to have to be a recovery effort. That that's just known in real time. And it has to be processed as a crime scene. So that's that's not just rescue, it's evidence collection. Right. Um you know, possibly like one of the largest crime scenes in the history of mankind. Yes. Um so was, and that's what you your team was involved in, is
2: removing debris rubble from the pile. Correct. I mean, we, we were going there with the impression that we were going as a rescue mission, and it was soon discovered uh, once we got there that this was not going to be a rescue mission. It was going to be a recovery mission. Yep. And when you talk about not getting heavy equipment in there, you have to remember all the adjacent buildings had severe damage to right. them. And none of those uh, buildings, or they were... Starting the process, uh, just starting the process to deem those uh, safe structures right. safe to be in. so the, the the amount of heavy equipment that was brought in was minimized because of the vibrations. They had no idea what was going to come down next or, uh, or what was going to take place. So plus the roadways are closed, Yes, right. Everybody yeah. f- abandoned their vehicles on the roads and fled.
1: <laughs> Rightfully I, so. I'd have been I, think,
2: I think the, the equipment that was there. Um, was equipment that was taken from other parts and of New York City at yeah. other constructions
0: yeah, had been there yeah. right yeah, it, yeah, was, it was already it was, there it was
1: working on uh, adjoining buildings
0: yeah um, so that went on for i mean obviously the recovery that was the first of many many months I correct uh, I went to uh, their officer training in October of two thousand and two and I was teamed up with a couple of new nypd officers and yeah. they described how they sorted through rubble on conveyor belts yes for months yeah. and months and yeah. they had just come off that duty actually yeah, yeah. so you guys went down mm-hmm. how many days were you
2: down there we got there uh we left wednesday shortly before mid-morning and um we got there uh mid-afternoon Um, we actually got into ground zero, uh, I think it was after dinner time, it was almost just getting dark, and we worked until about 5.30 in the morning on uh, Wednesday, or Thursday. We went back over to Liberty Park, um, got a couple hours rest, and I mean just a couple hours, and went back over on Thursday, uh, and it was a hot day, really, really hot day on Thursday, and we were now out in front of the American Express building. And there was a huge uh steel and concrete walkway that was uh that went across uh, to two buildings or a couple buildings and the amazing one of the uh amazing and terrifying sights that i saw was this walkway was laying on top of five fire trucks and they were completely crushed so that walkway fell after those first responders got there right. and we're inside we're in the building so um you know you had uh, that started i mean we were already an emotional roller coaster from the night before but that just started the day off again um knowing that those were the first responders that went to entered those buildings um and their rescue trucks were underneath that that walkway
1: so i just want to pick up on that for a second because it, it's well known in public safety circles uh, first responder circles because our the way we operate has changed dramatically since september 11th because Mm -hmm. of lessons learned on september 11th so a couple things that are like in the after action reports that you know you can see the result of it or the impact of it but if you're not in public safety you may never have, have heard this definitively is that first off the the radio antennas, the principal radio antennas for much of Manhattan's public safety, were on those buildings. So when the buildings came down, the antennas came down with them. They suffered catastrophic loss in their communications. And I said it during last week's or the week before's after-action briefing on our COVID response. It, that's that's one of the th- in every after-action review I've read as a law enforcement officer in my entire career. That's usually the first finding: yeah. comms failed. Yep. Right. So that that yep. was um, that was highlighted there. But the other part was that. The command post, the designated command post for fires in the World Trade Centers were in the ground floor levels of WTC1 and WTC2, and Port Authority had offices in there. So the first responding engine companies and command companies, they were running the operation either in the buildings or immediately in front of the buildings. So as they were calling for more resources to come in, they're literally driving into the crisis zone because that was our, you know, pre-2001, drive to the X, right? Drive Correct. to the X, get right there. And so when the towers came down, the top tier, top echelon of command for emergency management was at the foot of the towers. Yep. Um, the the impact on NYPD and Port Authority Police and, and FDNY, just in loss of institutional knowledge in that day alone was yep. catastrophic. Yep. The other thing, and this, you know, it's not, hindsight is twenty twenty. it's never intended as a criticism. And we still don't get this right, but, you know, we have to acknowledge the team we sent from Berkshire County was a self-deploying team. We didn't deploy in response to a national request for mutual aid. We were ahead of that. It was coming out. And the lesson learned is there was a reason people were getting held up at the Meadowlands and at Liberty Park because FDNY, NYPD, and New York Emergency Management didn't have time to develop a plan for where they were going to come. And so, one of our takeaways is, you know, you can you can initiate your unrequested response, but don't go to the crisis, right? Right. Start. You have to know where to go. Yes. Um, And so, one of the things we we consistently try to do, even on small scale operations, now, Lieutenant. Lieutenant will tell you, if when I come up on the air, uh, my first question is going to be, where is your command post and where is our designated staging area? Yep. Uh, so, you know, our resources are not crowding to the X because we don't want to suffer that type of loss uh, as we as we learned from this.
2: And, and you're right, because there was no request to, for aid um, <laughs> I arrived to work wednesday morning and jack quinn came to my office and said the sheriff wants you and six other guys to go to ground zero and i just looked at him and i said what what <laughs> and uh that's how it took place yeah. and we picked the team and to your other point earlier about donations um you know we went to walmart yeah. and to, to get some supplies and they just filled up walmart was just so generous and they just filled up the uh, the carts with any equipment that we needed and, and supplies and it was uh uh, and off we
1: went so you know and a, again can never we can never overemphasize how generous our local um stores and, and businesses are yeah. because very very so again lessons learned now we have a plan for some of this stuff in the early days of covid when i went over to second street yeah. to run the emergency operations center and coordinating center out of there um, we were getting phone calls you know Home Depot has masks and they're selling them. Yeah. And so we very quickly made calls to essentially every business in the city that had PPE and we just said listen if if you get shipments of that let us know first yeah um and and they, they didn't even think about it there was a couple times that the crew from second street we just went over to car hardware and we were like yeah we'll take all of that yeah <laughs> and uh, you know yep. we we paid for it but we we're yep. like yeah before that goes out just to the general public we got to make sure we can get that to fu- uh, first responders yeah and medical personnel
2: so uh getting back so we worked on uh thursday and we ended up coming home friday um basically i think your guys stayed longer okay. we came home at the request of the sheriff only because of a particular incident that took place on that thursday afternoon and uh if you don't mind i'll just no, describe okay so uh, it was kind of a, when i look back it was uh, just, uh it's kind of a funny story but it was absolutely terrifying at the time when it when it unfolded um we had been out in front of the american express building uh, all afternoon and it was hot it was a very very hot hot day and there were hundreds hundreds of, um, of rescue uh, personnel, emergency personnel out there working on the rubble. Um, and that was just one location. All around the 16-acre site of, of the uh, uh, of the towers, there were these same crews and emergency response w- were taking place. And in some of the adjacent buildings, they had triage centers. And one of the amazing things uh, that I found, Gary and Chief, was that the triage was set up fairly quick in just 24 hours because i didn't see any triage the day before the night before but in some of these uh uh, buildings these adjacent buildings in their lobbies they had a tremendous amount of clothing food supplies water and uh ppes uh which were which were uh you know the masks basically a lot of masks and, and and other protective equipment um and they were there to triage because of the smoke and dust so that you could replenish and refresh your masks and also get your eyes and, and uh, your eyes washed out and any other minor injuries that you had tended to. So we were in this American express building and or out in front of it working all day. And it was, it had some damage to it. And it was some debris that had been falling while personnel was out there working. So we went inside about mid afternoon, uh, late afternoon and, uh, we were uh, getting triaged we had got something uh, got something to eat we had our eyes washed out changed over our masks and uh, there was uh, hundreds of people outside the building and hundreds of people inside the building and I took the time to sit on some marble steps and I decided to call back the superintendent Superintendent Quinn just to check in with him and I watched this individual come over and lock To the right of me, the two doors going out in front of the American Express building. There was a revolving door there, and then it had two doors on either side of it. And they locked those buildings and those doors and secured them somehow. I don't know. They didn't. I don't know if they had an actual key or not, but they secured those doors because debris kept coming down out in front of those doors, and they didn't want anybody to get hurt. Moments later, as I'm on the phone with Superintendent Quinn, you hear this loud scream, and uh, it was around the corner, and it was someone was yelling it 's coming down and Then you just saw a swarm of people running to those doors, screaming it 's coming down, everybody get out, but those doors were locked, and Of course, naturally and instinctively, we just got up and ran with the with the crowd and i 'll never forget this poor fireman was running in front of me, and there was an inch of water all through the whole lobby. And he was either pushed or he tripped and fell, and he slid right across headfirst into the doorway. And uh, people couldn't get out. And uh, obviously, the fear was that this this building that had damage to it was now coming down. So people started kicking out the doorway windows. They were kicking out the big, huge picture windows in the front of the building, jumping out onto the front yard or the sidewalk. Um, They kicked these doors out. And I remember the. the cross arm on the door you had to go underneath that all the windows were kicked out but you had to go underneath that and my back had been out uh the whole time i was there i, I left with a bad back and i remember bending down trying to go underneath that door now i never hung the phone up with jack with superton quinn He was still on the phone he could hear all this going on and it was just people screaming and and exiting as fast as you can well i got pushed and i slid across the sidewalk and um of course, when I'm, laying on the sidewalk, people are running over you, and I'm trying to look up at the same time to see if the building's actually coming down on top of you. Dave Sinopoli and Darren Lane came running back, and they grabbed me by the arms, they picked me up, and uh, we everybody ran to safety. Um, but I remember people jumping under uh, equipment that was lining up, coming in now on Thursday, was lining up on the streets. People were jumping in under equipment, jumping into adjacent buildings just because they thought this was... The building was coming down. So we got about four blocks up, and the building was still standing, thank God, and um, the phone rings, and it's Jack, the superintendent Quinn, and uh, he's, he said, what the hell is going on? And I said, Jack, we were in the building, and everybody thought it was coming down. He goes, I know. I'm watching the live feed on TV right now. So <laughs> as we were talking, and then he's also watching the news, he's watching it everybody exit the building in in, a complete fright and and frantic and and uh, it was after that um, he called back uh, later on a couple hours later and said look at the sheriff said it's too dangerous down there he wants you guys out of there so so we stayed uh, until that Thursday uh, Thursday night and uh, and then we uh, stayed overnight Wednesday Friday and came home sometime during the damn Friday all right, one last question, because we got to go to a station break here. Were you there when the
1: president was there? No. no. What day was that? I don't know. All right. No. All right,
2: so I don't know if I knew that story about you being in the American Well, there's Sports more Party. to it, but I can't say it on the radio. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> there's, there's more that was said over you, the phone. You, you and I have lots of stories like that. Listen, let's uh, do our station
1: identification break, get another check of the weather, listen to some PSAs, and then we'll come back, and we'll change topics, because this one's getting kind
0: of heavy. Yeah. Berkshire weather WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area, today, mostly cloudy this morning, then becoming partly sunny. Highs in the mid-70s. East wind around 5 mph. Tonight, mostly cloudy. Lows around 60. East wind around 5 mph. Saturday, partly sunny. Highs around 80. Northwest wind around 5 mph. Weather
3: forecasts for WTBR-FM are provided by the National Weather Service. Support for WTBR comes from Sandrini Enterprises, providing awnings and canopies in western Massachusetts. Retractable awnings, retractable screens, gutter and gutter protection systems, commercial awnings, and screen rooms. Customized solutions available online at sandrini.com. UCP of western Massachusetts is hiring. If you'd like to help people with different abilities lead independent lives, apply at ucpwma.org jobs. We need direct and living caregivers. Join the agency who's reimagining independence. Online at countyamb.com.
0: Well, Krista, Chief, there's a uh, an announcement here. All that, right. Uh, I've been there's a note here to, uh, with the request to read and publicize the Festival Latino of the Berkshires uh, to be held September 25th from noon to 6 p.m. Uh, in Great Barrington. In Great Barrington. In Great Interesting. Barrington. Interesting. Yeah, um, on Main Street. Uh, And Town Hall and St. James Place. Um, And there's also, uh, I guess, that same, uh, or happening simultaneously, the Hispanic Heritage Celebration, folkloric ballets, ethnic food, music, crafts, Spanish practice, which is a non-alcoholic family event. Date and time
1: again, just so we make sure we get it out there?
0: Uh, September 25th. Saturday. 12, 12
1: to 6. All right. There you have it. Awesome.
0: All right. All
1: right, so we're back. Thank you again for tuning in to On Patrol with the PPD. If you're just joining us, we have in studio this morning uh, Sheriff Tom Bowler from the Berkshire County Sheriff's Office. He has been um, regaling us with tales of his response, uh, part of a joint effort response down to ground zero on September 11th or immediately following September 11th. But I think it's time to change topics because
2: damn yeah <laughs> yeah I mean we didn't, <laughs> yeah you know we didn't even go into it it's uh we've already done this with other uh at other times with the other media outlets but I mean th- when I talk about emotional roller coaster I mean the the pain and suffering that you saw on first responders who initially responded and had still been there um they were the survivors of the of the uh attack of the attack and but did not want to leave, I mean, we were only down there for two and a half days. Our portion and our, what we did there was was very small compared to what these are the true heroes, the guys who were there from the onset and did not want to leave until they were uh hope with hopes of recovering their their, their fellow brothers and sisters yep. yeah. and, uh, and it was very very uh it was tough to see i mean uh those were those those are the individuals are true heroes and, and we can't not we can't not recognize this
1: right. The lasting impacts and damage done yep. to those men and women who are on that pile. Um, you know the the nine eleven related illnesses, the yep. the incidence of cancer are just astronomical. Um, and so the impact isn't over, right? No. This, this can be felt for generations to come. Yeah. All right. So related to that story, but on a high note, as again, you know I've said I, I did not respond to to New York. Um, we were doing homeland security type stuff closer to home but i will say that one of probably one of the biggest honors of my time as the chief was being allowed to sit and listen to some of the stories when our crew would get together yeah. on on the evening of september 11th and um you know it it wasn't something that was like widely known i don't i know it wasn't in the ppd i don't know what it was like at the sheriff's office but for years the the sheriff's and the officers who went, went together and worked together would get together in the evening. And I was fortunate enough to garner an invitation to many of them mm-hmm. and just, you know, sit in a quiet local establishment, share some beers and yep. tell stories. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, thanks for that. Yeah. All right. Um, Sheriff's Department has a, a, I have to ask you a question. This is this is related to the post commission.
0: Oh
2: boy.
1: <laughs> it's your field, not mine. <laughs> did, did you see the letter? No. Did you see the letter? Okay. So the Post Commission, uh, two two big things with the Post Commission. One, this week the media release came out. We have named the executive director. The executive director of the Post Commission has been uh, picked. Uh, Director Zuniga starts Monday. Mm -hmm. So we're moving in the right direction. But for the last month, month and a half, my involvement in the Post Commission has been about the development of the joint use of force regulations between the Post Commission and the Municipal Police Training Committee. Mm -hmm. And so we reconciled the draft documents and then we had to have a public hearing. And that was two weeks ago on a Friday. And then after the public hearing, we had to solicit public commentary either in the few comments that were made during the hearing. I didn't have the ability to attend that hearing. I was out of the state. Or via written testimony. Mm -hmm. And so we got about a dozen submissions for the written testimony. One of the submissions was from the Sheriff's Office. Now, I'm not being critical, but I had to point this out to my colleagues. The, or from not from the sheriff's office, from the sheriff's association. Yep. Some of what the sheriff's association included in their written testimony was very germane, and we accepted those. But honestly, the biggest portion of that letter was they wanted the word law enfor- or they wanted any mention of the word police changed to law enforcement. And they wanted any mention of the word department changed to department slash agency slash office. (laughs) I haven't seen the letter. And so the first thing is those portions in that language taken directly from the statute. We can't change the statute. Right. right? But my fellow commissioners are like, why? And I was like, because they're sheriff's deputies and they work for sheriff's offices. Correct. (laughs) And, and, uh. Is like, it but it's not the sheriff's department? I was
2: like, no, no, no. It's the Berkshire no. County Sheriff's Office. They, they changed that a while back. I think prior to um, even when uh, prior to me being elected sheriff, I mean, it was always referred as the sheriff's department yeah. and uh, and then they became the office of sheriffs. Yeah. So um, I haven't seen the letter uh, apparently some of your colleagues have strong feelings yeah.
1: about those terms. Yeah. <laughs> strong feelings because yeah. that probably there was probably 17 instances of them redlining yeah. the regulations to ask
2: for that change. Yeah. So, you know, I think <clears throat> I think the bottom line is is you take a look at um and some and some counties are different. Yeah. We have a very good relationship, right. working relationship between the two offices. And there's no real territorial boundaries other than the fact that we're here as a support network for mm. you guys. And and, and we, you guys have utilized us in, in many ways and we, we work together very, very well. That's not the case in other parts of the state in the Commonwealth. Um, and that's not just with the sheriff's departments. That's with local, police. <laughs> with local PD and state police yeah. and, and other law enforcement organizations. Yeah, we're blessed out here. We are. I mean, we have a very unique situation out in Berkshire County where the, the collaboration and uh the relationships that we have kind of personalities are set aside and we just help each other out and we do our work and we work very hard to maintain that correct correct and when when you think about it we do it so uniquely because of the fact we're so far away from the eastern part of the state we are the furthest boundary the furthest county we're 900 square miles of, of mountain range, um, we are a small population, there's 30 towns in two cities, about 140-something thousand uh, uh, people, the residents here. We have to take care of ourselves because nobody's coming to help us out. So it's, it's funny
1: you said that because one of the, um, one of like the first responder organizations that I follow online, they're, they're really focusing a lot of attention on off-duty interventions and off-duty care. Yeah. And their tagline is, no one is coming. Yeah. Right. Like when when bad stuff happens, you have to be self-sufficient. You have to be able to take care of the initial response. And we were talking about when I was working over out of Second Street, you know, we stood up the EOC because of the pandemic, but we had the misfortune of also having to operate during the civil unrest of Mm -hmm. the spring and summer of 2020. And so I was also, you know, coordinating across the state and, and managing that. And although we didn't have a lot of local activity, we had a couple a handful of peaceful demonstrations. We had to monitor what was going on elsewhere in the state. We had to have a plan for that. Right. And I was in a statewide Chiefs meeting and, you know, no no disrespect. They had their hands full. But the Colonel of the State Police and the commanding general of the Mass Mass National Guard were like, we're not coming. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, what do you mean you're not coming? <laughs> right? Like they were busy. They had other yeah. stuff going on. So we had to pivot and we had to come up with a plan. Because up until 2020 Our plan if we had a civil disturbance was call the state police right man they weren't coming
2: right and but it's but look at it's been that way whenever we had a situation that required um, uh, further support whether it was for the state police mostly state police I remember times being at a crime scene or a situation where we had to wait hours hours because it's they're, they're, they're individuals that are responding from other parts of the state and that's why it was important for us. That's why we have the Berkshire County tactical team. Yep. Um, you know, we can deploy a lot faster and a lot quicker and respond um, uh, uh, much faster than we than we could before in the past.
1: I'll tell you what, I was sharing, I was teaching a supervisory class recently and I shared this and I don't, I don't know that I ever had like said this outside of our own command post. Couldn't have been 2020 because of the pandemic. So it had to be July of 2019. Um, for, our, for the Pittsfield Fourth of July parade, we have a large-scale special event plan, an, an event action plan. And included in that is uh, early in the morning, right around the time that we conduct our, our initial roll call before we deploy. We have assets from the Massachusetts State Police uh, Explosive Ordnance Disposal Team, the bomb, bomb squad. Right. And they send the techs out with the dogs and they, you know, they do a perimeter operation for us before we lock it down. And prior to 2019, the event action plan was God forbid, we had an incident where there was a suspicious device and or an explosion that the troopers who were here in the morning, although they would leave us to head to Boston because they had to be at the Esplanade, the, the plan was they would recall and they'd come back. Now, it's a long time to think if your bomb squad support is coming from Boston, yeah. but that was the plan. In 2019, that was not the plan. Our on-call bomb squad was coming from Albany. Yeah, right? They just yeah. They, they, they
2: couldn't come back. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. we had, uh, I will say this. Uh, over there in the past 11 12 even 15 years um, the sheriff's office relationship um, with the state police has has been tremendous yeah I mean we've we work very very well with both um, uh, barracks the one in Lee and in, in Cheshire um, I mean, you've got key personnel in the law enforcement task force. We right? do, so they couldn't we I mean, they couldn't staff the task force without some of your people. No, nope. so uh, our relationship has grown, and uh, I think there's a, a great deal of uh, collaboration and camaraderie between all law enforcement here in Berkshire County. It's been it's been working well. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So, positive note, high note. Um, you got the sheriff's office has an academy going. We do. We have nine uh, nine cadets. We started out originally with twelve. Um, uh, and it was difficult. Uh, when we first put out the applications, um, we sent out, uh, we had, I think we sent out about 30, 36 to 37 uh, uh, letters to those that applied in the, in, in the past, and uh, we had 11 responses. And we got on the phone. I feel your pain. Yep, we got on the phone, and um, we personally talked to each and every applicant, and we ended up having uh, 26 attend the, uh, the PT test, and those 26 all passed, uh, which I think was the first. I don't think we've ever had a full class uh, pass the, the PT test. And then we did the, uh, the next day, we did the written exam, and uh, all 26 passed. And um, so we set up for the five panel interview that we have, and uh, we did all 26, and uh, we were able, based on our budget, we we're only able to take 12 so we we ranked the, the 26 and came up with the top 12 and um we were all set to go and a week before the academy two individuals opted to stay where they were um you know they were offered more money to stay um with their uh with their uh, pr- uh, present employer and then uh we started the academy with 10. we lost one through the academy and uh continuing on we have nine to this date so I think we have four weeks left, three and a half, four weeks left in the academy. There's a nine-week academy, so they're doing very, very well.
1: So I've had limited exposure to Corrections Academy in the past. I've supported uh, yeah. some previous Corrections Academies elsewhere with some you know, subject matter expertise and stuff like that. But I, I have to say that I am much more knowledgeable and informed about the Sheriff's Office Corrections Academy now because you've been... Your team has been telling the story pretty much from day one. Yeah. You know if you follow your social media channels, yes, you can like I know that they're doing their defensive tactics and live fire firearms training and yes. <coughs> uh, they
2: had a really good week. They did. And, and a lot of the train what I, I guess people don't realize this, but a lot of the training that, uh, that we do the, our training standards with the sheriff's office matches or is the same as the MPTC um in a lot of areas in a lot of areas in yeah. a lot of Definitely. areas there um you know <coughs> so we concentrate uh heavily um on the communication skills and de-escalation skills because these guys are in a housing unit with 35 it used to be f- over 50 no nope. inmates not anymore no belt when you're in the no, housing no unit. no tools no, no no belt no tools the only tool you have is your communication skills and a and, dress uh, pen yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh so um uh, but th- this, this group is a really good group. Um, it's very diverse. Um, there's two females in it, and uh, they're doing very, very well. And uh, so we're, we're, it looks like, and we're doing things different. Traditionally, such as the MPTC, you have academies that are being held all across yep. the state. So on a couple occasions, we have held our own academy, and they seem to have worked out very, very well. In this particular one uh, we decided not to send them because we usually send them to franklin county or to Hamden county uh, with sheriff Donlin and sheriff Coachly, Uh but we chose to keep them here and um, there uh, we integrate them right off the bat traditionally and historically you'd go to the academy then you'd come back and then you'd be introduced to the housing unit well during the academy they're in the classroom part of the day and then they're in the housing units now so it's a really good uh mixture immersion integration yes we yeah. get them right on the job training right away and it seems to be uh much more effective and it seems to be working very well for us that's awesome yeah so the
1: reason that I'm more knowledgeable and educated I just I got to give credit where credit is due and I'll be honest I'm a little bit jealous uh, whoever's handling social media for the sheriff's I can't office the game is on point I can't tell you well <laughs> we don't we don't steal personnel from you that goes the other way Do you have a secret talent here? <laughs> no, I know who does their graphic it's, design It's
2: not me I'll tell you right now um, no I'm not a big uh, I don't you don't see me much on uh, my I mean my own facebook page i don't i you got a bunch of pages yeah Yeah. (laughs) i thought I had
1: a lot of pages he's got a
2: bunch of pages so um but no uh the the individual we have does a fantastic job and uh he's he's uh, very very well versed and educated social media we're actually he's going through a training right now with it as well so he's actually well you know who he is chief i'm not i i I know i I know who it is is. i mean he, he he's um he has uh helped uh solve some of your major crimes
1: i'll tell uh, you i'll tell you what he um because he he posts i mean he, he does a lot of stuff for a lot of different things and he posts content all the time but one of the th- things i'm jealous of is the imagery is always really really quality and yeah. it's fast yeah and on september 11th he texted me the graphic image that i put up on our page yeah it, it, like I couldn't have done
2: that right? I mean it's no secret it's Officer Gaylord and he does a great job and uh, he's taken uh, he's taken our social media to another level and uh, he does a great job with it but he has been instrumental with you guys on several of your um, major crimes yeah and uh, actually a couple homicides that he has helped um, produce some evidence for and uh,
0: he's, he's a great asset and he's been on the show before
2: yeah yeah yeah, his game, his social media game is
1: on point. Yeah, so yeah, so shout out to uh, to Jacob Gaylord, yep. N- and not just for law enforcement, right? He's he's now the county coordinator for the law enforcement torch run. Correct. Mm-hmm. So correct. All right, this has just been flowing. Uh, we we're coming up on our last several minutes now. Before we came on the air this morning, Sheriff, you were telling us about a unique program that your crew is running out of Second Street and what was my command post. Still is, but, but, if is you need it. but is now a community engagement center. <laughs> Listen,
2: um, right now there's a film crew in there. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> They've taken over the rotunda at, Se- at Second Street. Ask them to shoot it's some. So, uh, ask them to shoot some images of our command boards. Um, so we have. Um, you're always welcome. You know that. Um, that's the ideal location it, for for a command center. Uh, it's that. a very good location. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it. it look, I. I
1: I was blessed to be able to pivot and move out of, and move into there and get some stuff done very, very quickly. And I thank you for that. Yep. Um, but it, you know, it w- There were some challenges getting some tech
2: in there. Sure. It, sure. It's a it's a civil war era building. <laughs> it's an old building. It is an old building. Um, but tell us about the food program. Yeah, we have a, uh, uh, Berkshire Health Systems, Fallon Health, and Mass Health have been, for the last three years, have been running a wellness program. And uh, they've actually ran the, they had a dry storage, it's a food bank, and they had it on a 510 North Street. And um, so uh, somebody at BMC um, said, why don't you see if you can get the sheriff's office involved because it's, it's a county-wide project. Um, so they contacted us uh, a year and a half ago and asked if we would be a partner in this. And um, as soon as I saw what they were doing, it was a no-brainer. We said, sure, we'll help out in any way we can. And uh, so basically what has happened is that the food bank or the food storage, has, dry storage, has moved from 510 North Street to my basement in 2nd in Street in our, uh, the old cafeteria um, dining hall down there. And uh, we are, uh, the object of this is to take those patients affiliated with Berkshire Health Systems and Mass Health and Phelan Health that are constantly um, in the system. They're either at the doctor's office or they're at the emergency room on a continual basis their hope was to get these individuals on a good wellness food diet program uh, because many of their their ailments and or uh, illnesses is, is food or diet related so um, we are actually cooking uh medically tailored meals the nutritionist that we have at the jail is the same nutritionist we have at berkshire health system so it was really easy uh, an easy uh, fix so we uh, work with berkshire health systems we work with phelan health and mass health and we have a uh, about two hundred individuals countywide and this is when i say countywide we're going from vermont to connecticut and um these individuals were providing medically tailored meals for these for some of these individuals and we deliver those frozen meals to them on a weekly basis as they have a whole week supply and um it's been going very well we did this through a grant and uh it's growing week by week it's growing it's awesome yeah so it's been uh, we'll have some type of uh announcement or uh address on it it's in the very near future
1: who would have thought that those bad uniformed, gun carrying sheriffs would be you know feeding the masses yeah
2: I know, and it kind of fo- it, it it flows in. It fits with the aquaponic program that we have up at the jail with the greenhouse. Lettuce, lettuce, lettuce. I will tell you by the end. Of, well, we we kind of secured. Um, we have some uh, possibly towards the end of uh, in in end of October. We may have the governor showing up coming up to see our facility, the greenhouse, uh, which is by state inspectors has i just want to throw this out there has been deemed probably the cleanest greenhouse they've ever seen so i've never seen so much lettuce in my life yeah i mean so but we are almost to the hundred thousand mark of heads of lettuce that we have delivered throughout county throughout uh, with with the help of uh, the south congregational church and berkshire bounty uh, that's awesome. throughout throughout uh, um i mean we can grow I mean we can grow twenty four hundred heads of lettuce in one grow area at a time. That's amazing. So All right, we're nearly
1: out of time. We've yep. we've talked about it briefly on the program in the past, but we're running we're running out of time. So now <clears> I need to <throat> start talking about it on kind of a constant basis. Uh, formal invitation from the police department to the sheriff's department. Um, the week of columbus day so the week of october 8th has been declared uh, national faith and blue weekend mm-hmm. the national organization faith in blue has requested through the mass chiefs of police association and the mass major city chiefs that all massachusetts law enforcement um, or police departments participate in faith in blue this year we've agreed we haven't worked out all the details yet but i've reached out for um our local faith leaders I've had a little bit of back and forth with Saint Stevens, which is easy because that's my congregation. We're waiting to hear back um, from some of the other members of Bio. We've got a special invitation out to um, the Jewish community, and we'll be putting more information out in the next couple of weeks about what will be happening in and around law enforcement for Faith in Blue Weekend. It's from Friday through Monday, so mm-hmm. it's not um, you know it's not one thing; it's a s- series of events. Yep. I'm thinking about hosting a. Um, book reading or a reading club sometime during the weekend uh, possibly related to that we probably have to do it outdoors Uh, but if the sheriff's office would like to participate it's coming up Um, lieutenant do we miss anything
0: i don't think so you know the only uh i guess related to your discussion about the career fair and and the co's Mm -hmm. do you have any uh other positions that you want to that are open that you want to speak of or
2: the only things we were uh, the, the three areas or departments we we're looking for was medical uh, which we, we've just recently uh, we've just locked in two nurses which is a big plus for us um, case management we have a number of applications uh, that came in prior to the, the job fair and at the job fair so we're gonna be looking through those and in uh, uh we're looking to um, just want to put out there I mean we're looking to run another correctional officers Academy in January so if anybody's interested, awesome. contact us. Cool. Great.
1: Sheriff, thanks for coming in this morning. Thanks we for appreciate. having me. Yep. You're
2: always welcome. Thank you.
1: To our viewers and listeners, thanks for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. Join us next week for another new episode. Until then, be safe, be well, and be kind. We are 10-8. Good